Angelica is why I do what I do. I love this city. I love Austin and that's honestly my career goal is to make Austin beautiful through public art, through landscape design, through public projects if I can be involved. That's Gretchen Dupre, fiber artist, landscape designer, musician slash singer, mother, and beautifier. Gretchen's own string theory is, if there's a way to knit it, play it, draw it, or sew it, she wants to get her hands on it. If you see her around town and compliment something she made, watch out, you might be wearing it home. I'm Angelica Norton. Stay tuned for my monthly chat. Hi, Gretchen. Hi, Angelica. Thanks for joining me on Chatty Crafties, a show where I celebrate my creative friends to get inspired by everyday art. We met at a Landscape Designers Guild meeting that we, as Open Envelope Studio, hosted at our house last year, where as soon as I heard you were into fiber arts, and I discovered how warm and funny you are, I wanted to have you as my very own on this podcast. Aww. So I'm excited you are here. And we will get into all of the things you kind of emailed me about. Um, But first, my inspiration this week is having a post-presentation high. So every Friday, we present one of the three rounds of design. And there's something about being done with the presentation that feels so good. And because I line these up for Fridays, it kind of sets me up for the weekend feeling really good and like I accomplished something. Yeah. Um, So that kind of makes me feel creative on Friday nights, hence recording podcast. What about you? I super love that because um, we're in the same industry. Yes. And that is such a high when you get to give a client something and they're so excited about it. And usually on Fridays, I'm I'm playing catch up. So I'm going to I'm going to take that and put it in my pocket. It would be so nice to start my weekend not exhausted and mm-hmm. ready to just, ready to do more fun things. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. That's oh, nice. I'm so glad. So you're a landscape designer. Are you a landscape architect? Or are you no, licensed? I'm a landscape designer. Okay. Same as me. Um, and you work for Austin Outdoor Design. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me about what it's like to design and present to clients. What is your process right now? Um, well... It's probably really similar to yours. We do an analysis of the client's property, their needs, what uh, what kinds of things they like to do, entertaining. Um, but the presentation part is always the most fun part because we get to show them a schematic. The schematic design part is clearly the most fun part because uh, it's a 3D representation of their home, plants, what how we envision their home and it's they see it in a way that they maybe had never seen it before and yes. their excitement feeds my excitement because I'm excited about it anyway I love what I do I love plants I love making things I love making Austin beautiful but their excitement definitely feeds my excitement and helps push me to the next round are you onboarding clients I am okay so mm-hmm. how are they allocated for you and the other designers in the office, um, do you kind of find the clients and they contact you or are the clients assigned to different people? Usually um, the commercial clients all come through me and uh, Jose, our design principal, usually onboards most of the, the residential clients and then they get assigned to different uh, designers. And there's not very many of us. There's only three designers okay. on staff. Um depending on our specialty oh, uh-huh. or uh, a personality um, or if Jose sees something that we're really going to love. And sometimes we, when there's a whole bunch of projects that come in, we all sit down and talk about all of them and have a charrette and say, you know what? I feel really inspired by this one and this is why. Oh, well, then you should have that one for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do y'all ever collaborate on projects through the design process? Yes. 
Yes, we. I think that we're a very collaborative office. We um, we like to have a, a group charrette, especially about bigger projects, um, and we share ideas a lot. Um, one of um, one of our designers and I are the plant nerds in our office, mm-hmm. and so we like to play plant detective. Gretchen and Ivana, plant detective, <laughs> <laughs> is a song that we wrote about it. That's an excellent song. <laughs> and uh, people and other people in the office will come to us with pictures and go, what do you think this is? Yes. And then we go on plant detective. So when I am outside and I am scanning, just kind of walking, in my head, I'm identifying plants. So it's just constantly detecting yeah. Does that happen to you where like oh, yeah. some portion of your brain is constantly processing the species <laughs> yes. around you? It, that's 100% me and uh, it's an annoyance to my children because mm-hmm. we, we go on walks and I'll go, do you know what that is? Mm-hmm. Hey, do you guys remember what that tree is? And they have a, a new really fun game that they play because they're teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, we were at the Wildflower Center and I'm, I'm quizzing them thinking that I'm getting through to them and teaching them about <laughs> Central Texas trees. And I was like... What's this? And they go, it's a larch. That's not a larch. That's actually not native here. And I think that they're just not picking up on it. But they're mm-hmm. just, they've got this joke. And every tree I point to, they're like, uh, that's a larch. Um, <laughs> it's a southern larch. No. <laughs> um, is it a northern larch? It's a larch, though, definitely, right, Mom? <laughs> so um, <laughs> I do know that my uh, propensity to point out plants and name them is an annoyance to my mm-hmm. kids. Encouraging their sarcasm. But yeah. you know what? I'm going to keep doing it because yeah. that's that's what a mom does, right? How did you get into landscape architecture? Um, I've always been interested in design. My degree's in art history, um, and I've always been interested in art and graphic design. Art history was just a more natural fit for me when I was in school. And then it turned into education. But honestly, how it happened was um, after my divorce, I uh, was a single mom all of a sudden, and I was an educator. And I was just kind of tired of being the parent to somebody else's child and not having a support after work. So I was talking to a friend of mine about it who has his own landscape business, Zach Harrogate from uh, Yard Farm. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, he and I used to mow lawns when we were teenagers together. Did you? Yeah. So we had a landscaping business when we were teenagers. And he said, you've always been good at plants. You're good at design. Why don't you come work for me? And so I went to school for landscape design at ACC. And um, that's why I'm doing what I do now. Okay. So is it a certification or was it a degree? Like, is it part of your undergrad that you have... No, I just went to take classes about, I didn't get a certification or degree in landscape design, but I did go back because I wanted to learn about plants, Okay. the names of plants, I wanted botanical yeah. names, I wanted to learn about construction, and I also wanted to learn how to use CAD and SketchUp, yeah. so... I didn't even realize that would be an option to kind of pick up these skills, so that's really amazing. Yeah, ACC has a great program where you can just take, you don't have to go through a career path, you can take classes as you need okay yeah oh awesome what are some tasks as a landscape designer that you really enjoy mine is editing photos so Mm. I will go to projects that we have finished up and take photos and then edit them and kind of straighten the alignments and make the colors you Mm. know richer and the contrast better and I don't get to do it very often because it is an unbillable item that gets put to the bottom of my list. Oh, um, yeah. But I really love doing it. Is there anything like that for you? Um, well, it used to be specifying things for the client, like uh, outdoor lighting mm. and helping them go through the process of choosing plants, choosing fabrics, if we're doing uh, outdoor cushions. Um, and cause we do a lot of kind of larger scale projects. Some of them, uh, require like, in, in, I've always wanted to be an interior designer, mm-hmm. but I'm not, but we're doing some projects that are requiring that skill. So I'm I've really enjoyed kind of shopping mm-hmm. for, for our clients now. Yeah. Um, but that's something that I, I'd never gotten to do, but I've just started doing. Oh, excellent. And I love it. And oh my gosh, landscape lighting, outdoor pendants. It's a whole nother world that I am 
really enjoying right now. Have you heard of firefly lights? Yes, oh, yes, actually. I have some spec in some projects right now. Me too. He's uh, he's doing one that uh, for a project I'm working on right now. It's a delight, and I didn't know this was a thing. And so for our listeners, there I can post a photo in the blog post for this episode, but it's essentially lights in trees that aren't like string lights or cafe bistro lights. Um, it's a pendant hanging down and it's like fireflies in the canopy. Oh, they absolutely are. They're so pretty and they're so well made too. Yeah. What are some more tedious tasks that you trudge through but wish you didn't have to do? Um, takeoffs. Mm-hmm. Doing takeoffs and billing. Oh, yes. <laughs> Estimation, going going over an estimate with a client always gives me just sweats. Yeah. Because I know how much things cost. Yes. And a lot of times people don't understand how much it costs. Yes. And I, I feel apologetic. Right. And I shouldn't apologize because this is, I know that it's it's fair what we're asking, but... I feel like, I'm sorry that I have to talk to you about yeah. this. <laughs> and it's usually their dreams are very big and mm-hmm. extensive and the budget doesn't quite meet that. And so you have to encourage them to either value engineer their mm-hmm. project or just be okay with the price because then we'll get the thing that they wanted, but like lead them to either direction. Mm-hmm. And it's very stressful. It's the most stressful thing that we do. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. And then they get to enjoy it and it mm-hmm. is theirs. Yeah, it's so 100% worth it. Yeah. You like to use your hands for art. Do you prefer to design on a computer or hand draw? I like to do both. I really prefer to have a first conceptual meeting with a hand drawn concept. I think our clients appreciate that and shows that, you know, we have some skills other than sometimes they, they don't appreciate the skill of doing digital renderings Mm. as much as they do seeing something that's hand-drawn and I really really enjoy the hand drawing and I love getting to use the Copic markers it's just like painting with watercolor it's beautiful I'm not as skilled at especially the layout portion of using SketchUp Um, we have members of our team who are super skilled at that kind of stuff and once it goes out of concept and into SD and I can hand it to somebody who's great and we can collaborate and I can say, this is how I need it. No, we need to adjust here. Things go much quicker Yeah, for us that way. That's Matt is better at SketchUp than I am, but I'm better at layout than he is. Mm-hmm. So I, we design where I'm kind of looking over his shoulder, seeing what concepts he's coming up with and we kind of designed together. Oh, that's great. And then once he's done with the model, he sends it to me and I make the plan view and layout and then I lay out the plants and then I go back into the model and place the plants. Mm-hmm. So we're like... You guys are totally a team. That's yes. so great. That's how the only way we can get it done in mm-hmm. two days is because we are both producing mm-hmm. everything. We had a Wildflower Center Fortlandia entry last year, and I was so excited that you had the same site as ours. Yes. Tell me about your fort. Oh my gosh. My fort is one of my favorite things I've done this year. I And I was so excited that we got to have your space. It's one of the best spaces in that whole Arboretum. Because it has a tree that leans, and so kids are drawn to the site Uh to just climb on that and then wander around on the fort. And there's a clearing around it that's surrounded by beautiful trees, so it just feels like kind of an enclosed magic little Mm -hmm, space. mm -hmm. So I knew that that's the space I wanted, and then I saw your fort, and I was like, oh, that's my girl Angelica's fort. (laughs) It's meant to be. So, um... Our fort, uh, like a lot of my art that I make, it's uh, I wanted it to be string-based. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to make something climbable because kids were going to be climbing on the tree anyway. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to kind of pull kids away from the tree and have them interact more with a fort. I didn't want to de- design a fort that was just you walk in, you hang out, and you leave. I wanted it to be a space where parents could interact with their kids, kids could interact with each other make friends, run around, very interactive experience. Mm -hmm. So um, I experimented with a couple different things, and, you know, the stipend for it was kind of small, so I had to be very creative about that. Mm -hmm. And 
originally I had planned on, I'm going to make macrame nets. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm going to tie all of these knots, and it's going to be this beautiful spider web that children can climb on and around, and it's going to wrap around the tree, and then there's going to be a deck, and it's going to have a macrame hammock and blah, blah, blah. And then <laughs> it, it got value engineered in mm-hmm. the office to um, steel structures of varying heights. So, um, oh, and the inspiration was uh, blue bonnets. Fields oh, of blue bonnets. Okay. Because uh, what we did was create uh, steel structures that were triangles, mimicking rolling fields of blue bonnets. Mm-hmm. I also wanted to have maybe some orange ones in there so that we could have, you know, the Indian paintbrushes. Mm-hmm. But value engineering. Yeah. <laughs> we got only blue bonnets, which is great because they're the prettiest flower. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we got blue play nets and fastened them to these steel structures. Uh, that went under the tree, above the tree, around the whole area, and they terminated into uh, a deck that we made from leftover materials from our projects. Cool. And then in the middle of the deck, we took another net, play net, and it was white, so it was supposed to represent the head of the blue bonnet after the rolling fields of the blue. Mm -hmm. But uh, the deck was square, but you could run around it and then jump into the net in the middle. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was really fun to go and watch on the first day. We yeah. saw parents hanging out in the hammock in the middle, kids climbing on it, kids jumping on their parents. Yeah. And it all kind of came true. Like, it was just a really fun, interactive place. It's definitely not the most Instagrammable fort. Hmm. And, but it was, I feel like it was the most interactive fort. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And what is the fort called? Um, Hamaca de Flores. Okay. And I will put that on the Instagram post okay. and on the blog post as well. Oh, Because I think it looks really beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. I did too. And did y'all collaborate on that in the office as well, or did you lead this one? Uh, we collaborated on it. Um, uh, there were four of us at the time, and uh, we all came in with a different idea. Mm-hmm. And Jose's and my idea were very similar. So we kind of combined the two of them and came up with Hamaka de Flores. Cool. Yeah. Um, and you also did Creek Show. Yes. And that was last year? It was. N- not this past Creek Show, but the, the Creek, Creek Show, show before. before. Um, and tell me about that project. That one was definitely born out of my love of string and math and yarn art. I was kind of inspired by the bridges. A lot of the bridges along Waller Creek are very historic mm-hmm. and they're parabolic arches. And I remember when I was a kid, my dad telling me about um, how to draw an arch with just straight lines. And he taught me about drawing parabolas. And uh, that was immediately my inspiration in how can I do this on a really large scale with string and art? And also, how can we make it glow? (laughs) I don't know how to make this glow. So that was the the big challenge. Um, So after a couple iterations, we came up with parabolas. Uh And... uh, it's a 27-foot-tall sculpture with two sails. One of the sails is upright, and it attaches to a second parabola that you walk under. So it was a 27-foot span wide that went into the creek and a 27-foot high parabola. Um, and then the, the lights were done with EL wire, which was a really fun thing to learn and also oh. a really frustrating thing to learn yeah I don't know about this product oh it's so cool it's so cool I don't know if I'll ever use it again uh-huh. <laughs> but you used it once I will it's um but it was uh it's a it's like cold neon mm-hmm. so it works on the same principle as neon in that uh there's a copper wire that's uh wrapped around phosphorus and that causes a reaction and that causes the glow inside mm-hmm. when it's electrified when um, low voltage ampules is that the right word I don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> just push through it I am not an electrician yeah <laughs> um and then the coating outside is a, a polymer coating and that's what gives it the different colors okay so it's very fragile if you pull it too tightly or too taut the copper wires are so thin they can break okay. so during the course of Creek Show one or two of them broke and they were also all wired onto a system Similar to like your Christmas lights. One Christmas light goes out, everything in that line goes out. Oh my goodness. 
So that was a little stressful. But then we discovered also because there were neon colors, why don't we get some black lights and strategically have them clamped to oh, the structure mm-hmm. so it would always be glowing. Mm-hmm. That was eventually the solution. Oh, good. Because it's a three-week? Um... It's 10 days. Oh, oh gosh. That's nothing. Is it 10 days? It might be. It's two weekends. Okay. Yeah. It's a two-weekend show. And so Fortlandia, I want to say, is like three months. So it's kind of yeah. a longer endeavor. You have more chances to see it. But Creek Show is kind of max mm-hmm. capacity. People are there. They flock to it. Yeah. And so it's a lot of visibility. That's amazing. And who did you collaborate with for that? Our office. Okay. Um, and then we hired uh, some some folks who we work with uh with our commercial side of work, mm-hmm. uh, C&D Signs, they helped us Okay, mm-hmm. uh, because they had a crane truck and they could help lift the pieces because we assembled really big pieces off site. Okay. Uh, and I wanted it to be like, um, like a giant erector set. Mm-hmm. The structure was built out of giant steel struts where we could bolt them all together once they were in place. But they're also 27, 10 15 feet long so mm-hmm. that's still really big and they're steel it's not something that very heavy I can pick up <laughs> yeah <laughs> so they were super helpful with helping us assemble it yeah cool oh man I really want to do Creek Show I think it didn't time out when we were hearing about it last year because mm-hmm. it takes a lot of time to put these proposals together yeah and yeah. the stipend doesn't really cover the design time or build time it's literally just the material so you have mm-hmm. to volunteer your time plus your regular workload and so it is it is an endeavor but Mm -hmm. it's such a rewarding thing it is how do you feel about seeing your work in public spaces oh angelica is why i do what i do i love this city i love austin and that's honestly my career goal is to make austin beautiful through public art through landscape design, through public projects, if I can be involved. So Creek Show is kind of a culmination of, oh my gosh, I'm so excited that I get to be part of something that is a cultural phenomenon in our city. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What do you listen to while designing? Do you listen to anything? Or I do. do. You just... I do. Um, I listen to podcasts mm-hmm. and uh, books on tape because music is really distracting to me. And it, I think it's a common thing with other musicians who have to do technical work sometimes. When you listen to music, sometimes your brain starts transposing it or you start writing other lyrics to it. I've even tried just listening to classical because Bach is my homeboy and I could <laughs> listen to anything. But I sometimes start transposing it or I'll write lyrics to it and then my brain is totally somewhere else. But somehow words talking it's very soothing and it does kind of center me and gives me something to focus on especially when I'm doing something you know a little bit task oriented Mm -hmm. what are your favorite podcasts um the moth Mm -hmm. I love the moth Mm -hmm. uh I love Conan O'Brien needs a friend uh I love Conan O'Brien uh but he's his self-deprecating humor is like right up my alley Mm -hmm. um the Dolly Parton podcast did you listen to that tell me about it Holy smokes. Okay. Jad Abenrod from Radiolab interviews Dolly Parton in, I think it's a nine-part series, and he has, like, deep personal conversations with her about um, why you wrote this song and what you were going through. Jad's father and Dolly Parton are friends because she was in an accident, and he was her personal doctor during that. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, I know. Crazy. Um, But it also touches on why Dolly is such a cultural phenomenon and why she touches all walks of life. You can go to a Dolly Parton concert and you'll see every class, every race, every sex, from drag queens to my kids. We all love Dolly Parton. Mm -hmm. And why do we love Dolly Parton? Because she's just a, a unifying force. She's love. She's happiness she's inspiring good-hearted good-hearted and she also writes songs that are deeply sad and Mm -hmm. 
there's a lot of happy ones, but some of them are so deeply sad and they touch on so many different human experiences. Yeah. Yeah. I oh, was man. actually, I was involved in a, a Dolly Parton tribute last weekend. Singing or playing? Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. That it was is so fun. Where was this? It was at Barracuda. Okay. Yeah. My bandmate, Virginia, and I played Dolly and Porter. And uh-huh. we did, what was our song called? It was called Fight and Scratch. And I dressed up like Dolly. She did her hair in a big teased up pompadour and dressed like Porter. And it was so much fun. Tell me your band name. Honey Punch. Okay. And what do you play? I play banjo and mandolin and ukulele. Um, I play tiny piano. Um, occasionally I'll play guitar and I sing and I write songs. So more strings, more exactly. things with strings. <laughs> things with strings. And also piano is a thing with strings. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. And how long have you been playing? I've been playing music for a lot of my life. Um, I've been playing with this band for 10 years. We're having our 10-year anniversary. Holy smokes. I know. That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, we, we kind of realized it not too long ago, like, how long have we been playing together? Well, I have known you this long, mm-hmm. and then you bought a ukulele, and I taught you how to play a ukulele, and then we started writing songs, so I, we've been Honey Punch for 10 years. <laughs> That's pretty amazing at this point in our lives, when we have full-time jobs, mm-hmm. when we have kids, that that kind of relationship and creative endeavor can often fall to the wayside for people and for it to be such an important and regular part of your life that's really commendable and I I love that you use this as an outlet and a creative expression Mm -hmm. because the need for it doesn't fall away we just get distracted yes and so that's that's really great that you recognize no I'm going to Mm -hmm. commit to this and keep this up oh I I have to um it really fills my cup to mm-hmm. be, even if we just practice once a week, which is a lot of times what we do is just get together and practice. But it fills my cup to be with them. And it fills my cup to be playing music with them. Uh, I've played music with other bands. Um, and it it's so much more rewarding to be with my best girlfriends. Uh, I'm getting really misty. I love <laughs> it. I love it. it. I love it. I, I just, I love those girls. And I love, I love Honey Punch. And I love being able to play music we are not you're going to a bar band we are mm-hmm. not um we we like to call ourselves austin's premier brunch farmer's market flea market bar mitzvah bat mitzvah uh-huh. baby shower band we're a real daytime <laughs> we're a real daytime fun band <laughs> you want a wedding band we are so good at that. <laughs> <laughs> Will you please send me a couple of songs? I can use them as the intro yeah. and outro. Okay, so what song are we going to listen to now? This is by Mira Bista Shane. It's an old, old song from, I think, the 20s. And it's, uh, it's real cute. And I think I really like it because part of it is in Yiddish. And I love that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is one of our, our favorite songs, one of our, I think one of our trademark songs that we Excellent. do. Yeah. Okay, let's give it a listen. Your preferred medium is string in all fiber arts. How did you get into these? Um, it's kind of an interesting story. Um, way back when, when I was married, when I was an old married lady, mm-hmm. um, I, got, I was living in Hong Kong, um, and my son's dad was uh, doing video games. We were making video games in Hong Kong, and I, um, I was an educator uh, and the school I taught at they said when I started to show because I was pregnant at the time okay um they said uh, I told them I was pregnant and they said when I started to show that they would have to let me go because once I it was known that I was pregnant that they would have to pay extra insurance for me and as an American 
I already commanded a pretty high salary and uh-huh. they couldn't afford me anymore. And it was very easy to hire somebody else to take my place. That is heartbreaking. <clears throat> it was heartbreaking. And also... Um, Disgusting. I was, and unfair. And so unfair. And also like so boring. Because <laughs> yes. <laughs> after I, when I started to show, I'm kind of a small person. So I showed pretty soon. And that's something you're normally excited about. Yeah, yeah. And I really loved educating. I loved my class. So I tried to find things to do. My husband was creating this video game that he'd been working on for years, and they were in crunch time. So I couldn't really hang out with him. Um, most of the people we knew were professionals, professionals and expats there. So I read I read books upon books upon books. I drew in my sketchbook, I journaled, and I'd go on long, long walks through Hong Kong. And during one of my long, long walks, um, I walked by a yarn store and it had baby sweaters hanging in in the the window. And I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I am going to learn how to knit or crochet or whatever that is. (laughs) I'm making a baby and I'm going to make stuff for my baby. So I walk into the yarn store just brazen as can be, and I pick up some yarn that I think is cute. And then I don't know the first thing about knitting. Uh I don't know the first thing about what needles to get. So I just picked up some needles and some yarn, and I went up to the cash register. And uh, a little Chinese lady um, who spoke about as much English as I spoke Chinese, Uh she goes, what you making? And I said, I'm going to make a sweater for my baby. She said, no, no, this is not for your baby. I don't know who this is for. <laughs> so she grabs my hand and we walk around the store and we talk in our stunted languages mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. about what I want to do. And uh, so she picks out the stuff for me. I buy a pattern and she goes, now you come back here tomorrow. You pay me, I don't remember what it was, 50 Hong Kong dollars, which uh, I don't know, maybe $10 at the time. You pay me $10. I teach you how to do this. Oh. So I went back every other day and knit with her and this is so special she um she didn't know how to tell me that I was doing something wrong sometimes so she would hit my hand <laughs> and take it out of my my hands and unknit <laughs> and then hand it back to me and then gently hold my hands and show me how to do it uh-huh. so after a couple days of that I uh, I learned how to knit and I, I knit my first baby sweater and I ended up going back to the yarn store many times and just sitting and knitting with her. She was like literally my only friend oh in Hong Kong because everybody else was working during yeah. the day. And what am I going to do? Read another book? I've already read like 100 billion books. <laughs> was she busy? Like did people come in and no. she really so? Nobody came into the yarn store. She probably wanted you to come and knit with mm-hmm. her too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So that's how I learned and I just kind of took off from there because uh, – it was, um, I don't know if you noticed, but I'm easily distracted. It's <laughs> something that unites my hand and my brain uh-huh. so that I I feel more centered. And I can't believe I never knew this before. Like this kind of activity really helps people who are, you know, a little mm-hmm. ADD. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I tell people a lot, I knit because I have to. Mm-hmm. I really would not be as kind and <laughs> patient as I am. Yes. And and people say, I, I can't knit because I don't have the patience for it. Oh my gosh, I would not be patient That's without how you it. Get patience. Yes. To work through it. Exactly. So do you knit every day? Every day. Do you complete a project or do you bounce around between projects? I am not monogamous to projects. Okay. No. I have many unfinished ones. Um I don't know if you can see there's piles under here oh, yeah. of unfinished <laughs> projects that are... Yeah. I think unfinished projects them. are actually really beautiful. Uh-huh. I think unfinished projects are... Uh, it's The process is why we do it. It's not always just to get something. Yeah. So um, I right now, I'm trying to stay really monogamous to socks. Oh, yeah. Because I really love sock construction. I think uh, sock construction is really fascinating and interesting. It's basically coding. Knitting is coding. Knitting is oh, uh-huh. is definitely uh, programming yarn with sticks yes. through pattern. Yeah. Oh, my so, gosh. I love that. Yeah. It's completely math-based. 
And I could really get into that if you wanted to. But <laughs> yeah, I do. I love it. Um, when you think about a knit stitch, it's a slip stitch, which is three pieces. This, the piece going up, the piece going around, the piece going down, and the piece that goes around it. It's a slip stitch, which is one, two, three. Mm-hmm. And if you think of it that way, you can calculate how much yarn you need for a certain piece. I, I need this many stitches, so it's going to be this many inches. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not always correct or not always completely accurate. But if if you did put it down to that kind of science, knitting could be a code like, like that. And then there's also, there's just two basic stitches in knitting. So it, it it's kind of binary. There's the knit stitch and there's a purl stitch. It's zeros and ones. Mm-hmm. There's different variations on the zeros and ones. Sometimes you uh, knit into the front and the back, but it's it's still a zero. It's just doubled up on it. Um, it's basically just math. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. So that's why I like socks right now, because it's not just creating a code. It's creating a code that's creating a three-dimensional object. Yeah. Rather than a lot of what I knit, like the scarf and lots of other things are flat objects. Right. That are sewn together. But a sock is one piece. In fact. Yes, show me. I brought my sock. And I have knit one sock many times. Oh. I have knit a single sock many times. So I finished this sock. Oh, it's beautiful. In December. Isn't that pretty? Oh, yes. Look at the heel construction. It's so cool. Oh, my gosh. And then the toe box is so cool. So I finished it. And Uh I told myself you know what, you're going to finish another sock and you're going to, this is the piece of knitting that you're going to carry with you everywhere. Uh Cause I carry a piece of knitting with me everywhere to work on. And I have gotten (laughs) since December 27th, only this far, (laughs) each of these needles is a placeholder Mm -hmm. and this is your working needle. So it, Makes it look so tricky, but you're really just working one needle at a time. And since they're all placeholders in the round, you're just knitting a circle. Okay. And do you prefer knitting over crocheting? I do. Uh I do. I, um, I brought something that is my crochet project. It's a labor because <laughs> I want. <laughs> I want to love crochet, uh-huh. but my hand wants two sticks. Huh. So uh, my very dear friend and bandmate, who is also a fiber artist, taught me how to crochet. Okay, and this is literally all I can do. I mean, that's is just a lot. Go around and around in a square. Yeah, and I get so bored with it. Okay. I want to do more things with it and more patterns or more shapes. I want, I want it to be more than it is, <laughs> I think. And I know that uh, it's actually really great for creating um, three-dimensional objects, but my brain just can't wrap itself around it for uh-huh. some reason. And and maybe that should be my creative goal one year, uh-huh. not this year. Right. Um, I have other creative goals. <laughs> Look at me already like stalling on it. Yeah. Um, is to learn to love crochet because uh-huh. it's it is the same thing as knitting um not it's not the same thing as knitting at all but it's fiber it's feeling the string and it's programming yarn with a stick right i think i like crocheting because my grandmother taught me when i was 12 mm. and i didn't do it I don't know, for like 20 years. How old was I? 12? No, I didn't do it for like 10 years. So in my early 20s, I wanted to pick it back up and I had to look at a pattern and I just immediately, there was a muscle memory to it. Mm. And so I think there's that comfort in, I know this, I don't have to think about this. And if you're learning something that's similar but different, it's harder to retrain your wrist and your hands and your brain. You're absolutely right. That's exactly why I can't do it. Um, I can knit in the dark. Mm -hmm. I knit in the movie theater. (laughs) I made this through uh, two movies. Oh, my gosh. Um, (laughs) Because it's just muscle memory. I love picturing you in the theater (laughs) sewing a cowl neck scarf. (laughs) That's amazing. Um, It's like becoming ambidextrous. 
Mm. You're used to using one hand and you're like, I know this hand works the Mm -hmm. same way as that other one, but it just takes more thought. Yeah. And what do you do with this other hand? Does this hand just hold the piece? I don't know what to do with the other hand. Yeah. Um, for me, it's like it automatically stretches to hold mm, the string. To create tension? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Oh. So I don't think about it as putting the two um, knitting needles together because mm. that's using two hands. It's like driving, right? You're mm-hmm. using two hands equally. It's two different functions. So um, I just keep extending my hand to like pull tension or kind okay. of wrap. So like my fingers are doing something the whole time. I say this, but I haven't crocheted in five years or something because I moved on to sewing Mm -hmm. because to make a baby blanket I could progress more quickly that's (laughs) so true I could knock a blanket out in two days instead of what I could accomplish (laughs) crocheting in two days oh totally yeah I really love your your quilting um Mm. I my my mother-in-law is a quilter and makes the most incredible art quilts. They're mm-hmm. beautiful, and she's made us hundreds of quilts. Hundreds, I'm exaggerating, but she's made us many quilts. <laughs> right. Each of us have at least three or four that she's handmade for us, oh. um, and they're all treasures. Yes. Uh, and so I love the geometry. Mm-hmm. I love the color selection. Geometry is my jam, y'all. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, so piecing a quilt and picking out colors and uh, putting it together amazing i love that i have three quilt tops that i've made but the putting it in between batting and the quilting part i stall there i don't i don't have maybe it's patience or maybe i just kind of give up after that like i don't want to do this part do you have space for it i do have space for it. so you have a sewing room Mm -hmm. because i was going to say when i worked out of the house it was easier to get my sewing machine out and do smaller little lap-sized mm-hmm. projects, but once it got to blanket size, I needed the floor to stretch yeah. it out. I also need deadlines to get it done because I feel like I'll just keep working on a quilt mm-hmm. endlessly unless it's like, ah, this baby's going to be born soon or like a baby shower. That's kind of the push to finish it for oh, me. Oh, totally. Yeah. I've never had a push to finish a quilt. I've, mm-hmm. I've made them for fun. Mm-hmm. And so... I've never had to finish it. I finished the quilt top. I'm like, well, and now that's a piece of art that yeah. will just be <laughs> Go on the shelf. used for nothing. Yes. Um, so you do sew. I um, do. Do you make clothes? What are, what I are do. your um, ideal projects? I make clothes. When my kids were little, I made their clothes pretty frequently. I had a tiny little Etsy business when my kids were little bitty babies. Yeah. Um, when Max was four and Fisher was not born yet oh yeah I was pregnant with Fisher um action pants is was my little Etsy shop I love it yeah is it still around it's not okay it's not but it's something that I could churn out really quickly and Uh do over and over again um so my littlest one or oldest one when he was little uh he was potty training and he did not enjoy the zipping and unbuttoning Uh uh-huh and he said I just hate this because I need to go, and I need pants that are ready for action. (laughs) And thus the name came about. So I made action pants, which Mm -hmm. were just pajama pants, but they were reversible also. So there were two patterns. Like one pattern was like ninjas, and then Mm -hmm. the other side is sushi. So, you know, you're out playing, you get muddy. Oh, no, we got to go see Grandma. You know how Grandma feels about dirty knees. (laughs) Switch them pants around. Action pants. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. So did you sell quite a bit? I did. I did. I sold a a lot to my friends, Uh but my Etsy shop was mildly successful for, you know, a stay-at-home mom who could churn out 10 pairs of pants in a week. Damn, girl. They're so easy. Pajama pants are the easiest thing to make. Yeah. I love I love sewing pajama pants. And so what made you stop? Going into landscape architecture? No, um, I think it was, you know what? It was because we moved to Austin. We lived in Seattle at the time. Oh, okay. And I had uh, my youngest, and probably when he was three months old, we moved back to Austin from Seattle. Did you grow up in Austin then? I grew up in DFW. Okay. And I went to college here. So, I, I, yeah, I sew clothes. Um, mm-hmm. I've made several dresses for myself. Um, 
I actually, when you asked me to bring some things, I went through like my Instagram feed mm-hmm. and like old pictures to find pictures of clothes I made for my kids. Like a, whenever their their jeans got torn, uh-huh. I, I would make uh, turn them into monster jeans by Ooh. taking. Oh, I took a picture of it. They're so cute. Taking red felt and eyeballs. Oh my gosh. That is adorable. Aren't they cute? That's such a good idea. Yeah, so, you know, we got another, like, month out of (laughs) blue jeans. (laughs) Um, I would sew uh, the action pants for them. Uh, I used to love taking felt and just buying T-shirts from Goodwill and sprucing them up with Mm -hmm. making, like, a little monster face on it or a panda bear out of felt. So, yeah, sewing for little kids is fun. They're... 16 and 12 now so I don't really sew for them anymore yeah you just get them to identify plants <laughs> much to, to their chagrin um we talked a little bit before recording that we both have a tendency to give away mm. projects and that's why it was hard for you to find things to bring in because yeah. you do what I knit things purposely for friends and of course those become gifts and I give them to somebody or very frequently if somebody, even a complete stranger will compliment me, I love your scarf. I'll say, well, then I feel like you should have it. That is so sweet. I can't handle it. I feel like I'm just wearing it. This, this is just something that I, I made and if it's, talking to you mm-hmm. girl or guy mm-hmm. you should have this you should have this little piece of me do you ever see that person again if some it's a stranger no that's never happened to me and I'll tell you why I one of the reasons why I do it one of them is because I I want to I want my art out there uh-huh whether it's through a stranger or it's public art or uh somebody I know just please go out there and be in the world I can make more but another reason is uh, when I was in college, there was this very well-dressed woman. She was older and she had on a hat. Like, who wears nice hats? Mm-hmm. This lady. Mm-hmm. She had on a jacket with a fur collar. And she had on these gloves with fake fur mm-hmm. wristlets. And I wanted to compliment her whole thing, but I was also like 20. So I didn't know what to say. I just wanted to tell her, I love you so much. You're so pretty and yeah. everything you're doing is so cute. You're inspiring me yes. just by existence. So in the elevator, I went, I really like your gloves. And it was actually the least favorite thing of her outfit. Uh-huh. Just it was her whole persona and her presence. She goes, well, honey, if you like them, I want you to have them. Oh, my gosh. And I feel like there, if somebody compliments something I have and I'm not like emotionally attached to it or it doesn't have some kind of sentimental significance and it belongs to somebody else they it's speaking to them they should have it that lady changed the course of your life she did change the course of my life and not to hold on to material things just because we have material things yeah what what if you see one of these people wearing your scarf like 10 years from now oh stars i don't know what i would do i would run up to them and say do you remember me do you remember me giving you that Oh my gosh. Oh, I, I do have a story about um, giving away knitting. Uh-huh. Uh, it's probably the coolest thing that has ever happened to me. It's, no, it's definitely the coolest thing that's ever happened to do me. Do tell. Um, you know, Kim and Kelly Deal of the Breeders. Okay. Okay. Um, Kelly Deal is also a knitter. Oh. And I've known this for a while. Uh, and kind of admired her from afar and she's a fiber artist and a crocheter um and so during south by oh five six years ago let me see 2014 actually the breeders are one of the reasons i started playing music um and not classical music because uh i was kind of introduced to them when i was like a freshman sophomore in high school or something and oh, these two girls are playing stuff that's not like Bach on piano Uh or cello stuff, and they're wildly successful, and they're not just singers. Um, I know there were other musicians, but they were the ones that particularly inspired me at that time. Um, So, huge fan. And I'm also known in my group of friends as not being cool. I'm just not. (laughs) (laughs) And I want to be cool so bad. And, uh, but the few times that I've met somebody that is famous that I really admire, I uh-huh. just 
geek out on them. I do, and I embarrass everybody. Oh, I embarrass them, I embarrass myself. And uh, <laughs> so I'm riding with my friend Jason to a show, and he says, you're just going to want to see the show. Our friends, Kevin and Rachel, are going to be playing the show, but somebody's playing before it. I don't want to tell you before because you're going to kind of freak out. And I was like, did that oh. help? No, it that made me like so excited. And I'm riding my bike and like, is it this person? Is it this person? He's like, just shut up. Just shut up. We're just going to get there. So we're, we get there to the lost well and I'm locking up my bike. And he said, okay, good. Like, look up, but just be so fucking cool. Okay. <laughs> just be cool. Lock your bike and don't, don't geek out. But Kelly Deal is getting out of the van parked in front of us. I was like, what? Huh? <laughs> Kelly Deal? Oh my God. And he said, just be cool, Gretch. She's unloading her stuff. She doesn't want to be bothered by you. You're right. You're totally right. You're right. <laughs> Making myself busy. Give her some time. Go inside. She's inside. Okay, cool. <sighs> <sighs> okay. We can go in now. She's probably putting her stuff backstage. We open the door, and she's standing right there in front of the door. And I was like, <gasps> oh, <laughs> Kelly Dion. <laughs> And she says to us, well, you look like a couple of angels walking in with the sunshine behind you. And I was like, hey, Kelly Deal. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, by then I've forgotten I even have a friend with me. And I just walk up to her like, hey, Kelly Deal, I'm Gretchen. I'm Gretchen Dupre. I'm I'm a fan of yours. Hi, I know that you're a knitter and I'm also a knitter and I make knitting things. And she's like, cool. (laughs) Cool. And she starts talking about knitting and we go back and forth about yarn. And then I kind of relax and she says... "Um, you know, something I've always wanted to learn how to do is knit socks. And I was like, are you serious? Let me tell you all about socks. Let me tell you about this sock because I learned how to knit from this website and it totally changed my mind on knitting socks. I thought it was too hard. And so I tell her about it and I was like, I'll text it to you. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I totally forget that she's like not my friend. Yeah, she's you just, don't have her number. Yeah. And she gave me her number Oh, my gosh. And I still don't realize it then. And I was like, here it is. It's silver sock class. And then I'll send it. Uh, and I say, in fact, I'm wearing some socks that I knit myself. Do you want to see them? And so I take off my cowboy boots. My friend is in the corner rolling his eyes at us. And I take off my cowboy boots. And she was like, girl, those are so cool. I don't like socks like that. But my sister, Kim, and I was like, because oh, her sister is Kim Deal from the Pixies. <laughs> oh, my God. And that's when I realized, oh, shit, this is like one of my rock star idols. And I went... I know who your sister is. <laughs> and so she says, my sister Kim likes socks about that length. And I was like, well, I could give them to you. <laughs> and she freaks out. And she goes, are you serious? She You're going to give me your socks? Your, your and she socks? said, what can I give you in return? And I was like, do you have something you're working on? And so here's a picture of me and Kelly Deal exchanging knit goods. Oh, my God. I know. She had that with her? Yes. She was making these as CD covers. Oh, how funny. I know. So she they had like, you know, the cardboard CD cover, but she was crocheting these little granny squares to oh put over God. her CD covers. So she gave me one and um, I gave her <laughs> some socks that in my heart, sometimes I like to imagine that she gave them to her sister, rock star Kim Deal, or maybe mm-hmm. she like had a change of heart and she's like, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna try out ankle socks and uh-huh. maybe I'm done wearing knee socks. So the night goes on, and I'm still like so high from it, and I'm a little drunk. I'm a lot drunk, mm-hmm. and uh, I realize I have Kelly Deal's phone number. Yes, and I told my friend. So I wonder what Kelly Dill's doing right now. Maybe we should text her. We should text her and see how she is. And like, maybe she wants to come hang out with us. Maybe she wants to go have lunch with me tomorrow. And he said, you should really delete that. And I said, you're right. She's got my phone number. If she wants to reach out to me, she will. I guess. And she never has. But I wisely, even in an unsober state, Uh deleted her number because I, (gasps) I did. Because I know, Angelica, I know that I'd be laying in my bed one night and I'd be knitting and maybe I'd be a little sad and lonely. I'd be like, I wonder what Kelly Dale's doing. Yeah. Hey, Kelly, remember me? It's your friend Gretchen. I Gave bet, you some socks. I bet if you texted her more knitting things at, as a friend would do with another knitter, it would be this natural friendship you are. If I was a cool person, <laughs> um, I would not be able to help myself. 
No, I would have acted the same way. Uh, less cool because I wouldn't have thought to give her the socks. Give her wearing. your sweaty yeah. ass socks yeah. that you wore biking through Austin and in cowboy boots. In cowboy boots, and then to be barefoot in, a cow- in cowboy boots, raw dog in your cowboy boots, <laughs> <laughs> and riding your bike back home that way. Yeah, that was that was a time. Yeah. That was the time. Yeah, that's really special. <laughs> I really like that story. So, yes, I've given away things. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, tell me about your found object art. Because you said you like embroider and macrame on architectural drawings. Mm-hmm. Tell me about this. This sounds really good. Okay, so that's a new thing that I've, I've started to do. I got inspired by a friend of mine who is an architect. We were talking about crafts Mm -hmm. and uh she said i know you like fiber arts get a load of this lady she's living the dream life i can't remember her name but i follow her on instagram petronella something um and she does all embroidered architectural drawings so she sits in a cafe in paris with her husband who also embroiders and they're also impossibly beautiful in that french way yes so that inspired me because we do uh, a lot of line work when um you know when we're doing elevations of a, a client's home i thought it would be really fun as a gift for clients that i really love oh. in case any of y'all are listening right now there are clients <laughs> i really love <laughs> be expecting a gift um oh, cute. i i thought it would be fun to start embroidering the elevation of their home from the front and oh. maybe with some of the the plants in there Okay, so this is embroidered. It's like a scene um, mm-hmm. that someone might paint, but it is uh, created with thread. Yeah. I'm also uh, enjoying embroidering on photographs. Mm. And I maybe that's what I mean about found art. Uh, mm-hmm. Recently, I've started collecting older photos mm-hmm. and em- embroidering elements onto them. And just not the whole picture, but maybe I'll pick out somebody's hair if their hair is really interesting or if they have interesting glasses or if they don't have interesting glasses embroider some glasses on them so that's that's been a really fun thing to do and a little bit of a learning curve because uh, when I first started doing it I thought we could just sew into the paper or Uh the photograph like you do on fabric but it tears Uh so what you have to do is decide what you're going to embroider first. Draw it on there, like you would with embroidery, but poke holes in it, pre-poke holes in okay, it, so okay. that you're not uh, creating tension by pulling your thread too tight and then the whole thing falls apart. Yeah. Ooh, I love this. I, that's kind of my new obsession right now is combining paper and textile and mm-hmm. how to do it. It's like total experiments and it's a lot of failure. Mm-hmm. Do you have any shameless plugs that you would like to include? Well, we talked about Honey Punch. We talked about my company. Um, Okay, we are at the last question. If you were to give yourself a title for your creative identity, what would your title be? I'm an ambassador of string. Not only because I like giving my art away, um, I like giving string away. And I like all things with strings, instruments, string theory, yarn. <laughs> uh, I also um, used to carry a set of knitting needles, child's knitting needles, and a ball of yarn when people say, I can't knit. I, I'm not patient enough. And this was before I had a full-time job and oh, two sure. children and uh, a much busier life. I'd say, please let me teach you. Oh, my gosh. So I, I really did see myself as an ambassador of knitting and string i love it yeah that's really beautiful well thank you gretchen thank you for having me it's my pleasure and thanks to our listeners i hope you'll stay tuned for more episodes of chatty crafties go to chattycrafties.com to find more on this episode including photos, social media, links, and more. Chatty Crafties is on Instagram and Facebook. Give us a follow. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Angelica Norton. The intro, mid-episode sample, and outro music were by Honey Punch, who are on SoundCloud and Instagram. 
please rate and review Chatty Crafties on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Now, if you've picked out your pattern and set out your yarn, it's time to get your knitting needles and go make some art.